Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. Today I have Don Van Splunteren with me, a dynamic multicultural Fortune 500 executive that pretty much is a Pandora's box. Besides being an electronics engineer, he has a Bachelor in Arts, in music, with a master in guitar and jazz improvisation. He also has a master's in business administration. He speaks five languages, has lived in several countries, so imagine the experiences he's going to bring to the table. Besides everything I've said, he's very special to me, because he is my husband of 10 years. Welcome, Don, to the show. Hello, Letty. I'm glad to be on your show. Oh, you better. This was a special favor requested, so I'm happy <laughs> you're making this happen. Um, I know you're a very busy man. For those of you that are not familiar with what my hobby does, which probably is most of you, is the global VP of sales of one of the fastest growing telecom infrastructure companies and uh, has a very demanding job. And part of the reason, Don, why I thought you would be a fantastic guest is because We struggle not only as a couple, as parents, as husband and wife, but as an executives. We've had many conversations where we like to venture out in our with our philosophy, philosophy hats and wonder, you know, like what it's life all about. And uh, you're a very deep person. Everybody that knows you knows this. You have a theory for everything. And so I wanted you to share some of those brilliant theories with my audience. But let's start at the beginning. You have uh, such an interesting background. I always say that a book could be written about your family. The background that you have, it's really um, picture worth. And uh, so let's start. Where are you from? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your upbringing, and uh, who was Don as a kid. Okay, well, uh, Don was born in uh, Tilburg, a city in the south of the Netherlands also called Holland, uh, a country in Western Europe. Um, and uh, I have uh, one older brother, of course, my parents, and we were a family of four. And uh, we had a very easy uh, first couple of years of my life. Um, my, pa my dad was working. My mom was more sort of a um, stay-at-home mom for the first years. And I had a, a great brother, which was a... And is one and a half years older than I. And um, quickly, after about three, four years, we moved to Belgium, which is a country neighboring the Netherlands. And actually, um, where we moved was uh, literally less than an hour away from, uh, from where I lived in Tilburg. And uh, we lived there for a couple of years as well. And as I was growing up in Holland and Belgium and And after Belgium, we went back to Holland. You know, those first, let's say, child years, a lot of um, 
a lot of Dutch kids like to play soccer. It's kind of the national sport. So uh, I was a kid who played some soccer and played some tennis and active uh, out, outdoor life in the summer and in the, the fall and the autumn. Um, or I should say spring and then in the winter, not so much. But it was all uh, good and, and uh, it, was a, it was a great, great era. My parents, um, my father was an entrepreneur. So he had, um, at that time, he had a travel business. So we traveled a lot. We traveled across Europe, pretty much every country you could imagine. Uh, most of the time driving around um, in a car from A to B. And, and uh, as a matter of fact, my dad took, took it upon himself to take a 100-day trip in a caravan across Europe and Africa. And um, that was kind of the, the Dutch-style, explorer-style lifestyle that for the first 10, uh, 15 years, I would say, uh, I lived uh, with my family. And uh, were great years. Um, we did move around quite a lot, even in Holland. Uh, like I said, we went to Belgium and back to Holland and a different house, a different school, a different elementary school and a high school, uh, which is the Dutch equivalent of the middle school. And then you have a high school. But a lot of moving around, even even uh, within Holland. But clearly then, I think something that uh, really changed my life a lot was that my my parents decided to move to Venezuela. So that's definitely a part um, I'm sure I'll expand upon on, on some other parts of this conversation. Okay, no, and uh, and that's interesting, and, and we are not jumping ahead, but, you know, I'm Venezuelan, for those of you that don't know. So the one thing that, that people think immediately assume when they meet us is that, A, you speak Spanish because you married a Venezuelan, and B, that uh, you were in Venezuela, and that's where we met, but uh, that's not the case at all. We met in the U.S., but let's save that for a little bit later on. Uh, why don't you share with us about your grandparents and their fascinating story of where your dad was born? Because I think it's important in, in defining who you became later and, and some of the, let's say, maybe challenges or, or issues you have had to deal with in terms of stay true of who you are, of your heritage, and keep connecting to your background. Well, um so on my mother's side, my grandparents were from the same area where I was born in Tilburg, uh, the province of North Brabant in Holland. And so not much to tell there, but clearly on my father's side, that's where the, all the interesting stories are. And my father was born in Indonesia, which is uh, you know, a large island, archipelago island country. In Asia, of course, and um, he was born there during the World War II, as was my mom, but in Holland. But my father was born in Indonesia. And uh, the uh, interesting part of that is that at the time of World War II, Indonesia was invaded by the Japanese um, army uh, as they had invaded large parts of the Pacific and Asia. And um, so my grandparents, who were living there at the time in Indonesia, um, they got caught middle in the middle of that war. They got captured by the Japanese and put in, in concentration camps. And um, so they separated basically by my grandparents. My grandfather went to uh, a, a camp of uh, forced labor and had to work there for, I think, about four years uh, for the Japanese in mines and, and, and forced labor in general. And my grandma, with uh, her first two daughters, my aunts, 
moved into a separate camp where also they had to work and do some more manual labor. But there were also kids involved. And my father was actually born in the concentration camp. Uh, so he was uh, yeah, born in Indonesia in a concentration camp, um, pretty much uh, with the situation that led to mal mal malnutrition of most people, obviously, in the camp. And my father was not an exception as a little baby. So um, as uh, for the first four years, my dad lived there, uh, as did my aunts and, and, and uh, my grandma. But when the war finished, finally, Indonesia found itself in the turmoil of a civil war, or actually, yeah, a civil war, and um, basically the whole family had to um, had to leave Indonesia and returned to Holland. At least my granddad uh, returned to Holland. He was from Holland, born and raised in Holland. He was on an expat expat job in Indonesia. But my, my father was born in Indonesia, and so were my aunts. So they went to Holland. And uh, clearly the tra traumatic experience for both my grandma and my grandfather, and of course the kids as well, especially the older aunts, uh, was, a, was a huge um, imprint and, and changed a lot of what, uh, what the future would be for the family Vance Plantron, because uh, all of them got affected uh, emotionally and uh, psychologically by those events. And... Um, so they returned to Holland, and um, basically my my grandfather decided to move uh, from the Holland again to to other uh, places in the world, and he decided in the 1950s to move to Venezuela. As a matter of fact, the whole family, you know, my uh, grandparents and my my mom and my uncles and aunts, I'm sorry, my dad and my uncle and aunts, they all went to Venezuela, and they lived there together for about a year and a half. But then the family really, the family uh, dismantled um, just because of all the things that happened to them. And, and they returned to Holland, with the exception of my grandfather, who stayed um, in Venezuela. So, um, yeah, it's clearly a hard beginning for, for my dad in his life. And uh, the whole history kind of changed the... Uh, the way the whole family, Vance Plunton, looked at the immigration and and uh, and the, the family basically got all dispersed around the world after that when the kids grew up. And um, that's part of why I think I've been also uh, moving around quite a lot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, by listening to that, it's uh, hard to understand for someone that say, for me, I do come from immigrant parents and my parents also left Italy after the Second World War and went to Venezuela. But once they settled there, I lived in the same house pretty much all my childhood, over 20 years until I went to the U.S. and went to one school. So we always have this conversation in terms of even what we want for our kids. And, and we both come from such a different background in that sense where you were moving a lot and uh, were flexible or are flexible and adaptable more so than me that come from a background from where I've had a lot of stability and I know what to expect. And uh, I find that aspect uh, fascinated because when you talk about connecting to who you are or something that really makes you feel that, yeah, this is me, I, I probably can can say that maybe for someone like me, it's easier. Everything is more expected than for you that we're a little bit here, a little bit there, but at the same time, and we've spoken about that, 
the connections are different. And this is why I think uh, so many listeners could relate to your story that those that are, haven't had that stability or maybe were moving a lot and change was the constant in their lives. So for what I understand, you were 15 and then your dad felt the need for whatever reason while well, his dad was in Venezuela to, to go there. So well, he's in Holland, you're all in Holland. And uh, then the decision was made, we, we are all moving to Venezuela, correct? Yep, that's correct. Uh, you know, one day... My father and mom said, hey, um, we're going to move to Venezuela. And uh, so that was quite of a kind of a shock at 15. You know, I think as most kids at that age, it's a, it's a pretty tough age as it is. 15, you're kind of finding out who you are and where you belong and who you belong with. And, and we moved to Venezuela, a, a totally different country from many aspects. Um, obviously, culturally, Holland is a, is a Western European country. Um, a very liberal country and uh, um, very well-developed country, and we moved to Venezuela, which uh, it was is a beautiful country, but you know, clearly it was a different, totally different culture, much more conservative, um, and the level of development, you know, way different than from Holland, and so um, yeah, without speaking the language either, um, we didn't speak Spanish, obviously, so uh, when we arrived there, it was was kind of a, a big big change for us especially for my brother and I of course my brother he was uh, 16 almost 17 I was 15 so yeah it was definitely a huge change and clearly at the beginning it was uh, it was hard to to adapt because in first place of the language and second place you didn't know anybody I didn't have any friends at the beginning and we were going from school to school because we didn't speak Spanish we first went to an international school and uh, we spent there um, about six months. And then uh, that went, didn't work out. They put us in a German school because uh, in, in, we do learn German in, in high school in Holland. So my German and my brother's German was pretty decent. And, and that didn't work out that well either. And, and after that, they decided, my parents decided, well, just go to Spanish school and you know, got to learn Spanish. Um, the hard way. And quite frankly, it ended up being the easy way. I think the best way to learn language is by by being immersed in it and at a school, I guess you have no other option than try to learn. And um, so, yeah, that's how, um, how we got to Venezuela. Um, it was clearly uh, at the beginning, a, a very tough experience, but as time progressed, uh, you know, Venezuela is a very beautiful country and has also many, many nice things. Um, and of course, not to forget the, the beautiful Venezuelan women who are, the leaders in uh, the Miss uh, Universe uh, contest, so it was a it was a great time in Venezuela. <laughs> after a while, <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing we do have going for us. I always say we don't have soccer World Cups, we don't have uh, F1 racers, but we do have <laughs> the title as the most Miss Universe and Miss World. So that's that's uh, a good thing. Um, so you're back there. You're 15. What did you take from from your childhood or what tools did you have to cope with that change and to remain let's say sane in where everyone I'm, i just can imagine you're looking around everything is different everywhere you look everything is different the language is different so what did young younger don did in those days besides of course going to all sorts of different schools and trying to make friends 
did you um did you have a special place or a special activity that helped you through those hard times well i think at the beginning it was like well this is temporary at the beginning it was like well this is a vacation so it doesn't settle in at the beginning and um you're just like yeah on a vacation mode and um And of course, uh, at the beginning, you're even not even trying to make friends because it's almost like, well, this is you know temporary anyway, and um, don't speak the language, so you know we'll we'll just return to Holland quickly. But that didn't happen, and so one of the things I picked up uh, early on was uh, I started playing guitar, and it was it was really great. It was a, a hobby that you could do uh, on your own. You didn't need friends initially. Later on, in bands, of course, and that was very helpful. But to start playing, it was it was really great. Um, and one of the things that always kept me going was, well, you know, um, Holland is is right there, and um, you know that was the the thing that that was my route, you know. And uh, even though I lived in Belgium, and and also I had a, lived a year year uh, in Curaçao before coming to Venezuela, between Holland and Venezuela, there was one year of Curaçao, really. <clears throat> but um, Yeah, one thing, the one constant was, you know, it's Holland, and that's where I grew up, and that's where my friends were, and my all my family, and my uncles and aunts and cousins were there, and um, so that that was kind of, you know, it it was a lot of well, that's who I am, and that's kind of my became my north, you know, my 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 compass. Well, I'm going to go back to Holland, and then everything's going to be fine, and that kept me kind of going, and I would even kind of dream and and almost believe that well. Um, across this beautiful mountain range that is in Caracas, Venezuela, called El Avila, just across that big mountain, that's where Holland is, and it's not that far away. And that, that kept me going for a while. And, um, you know, for a couple of years, um, it was really tough. But, you know, then I learned the language and the culture started to, I started to adapt some of the things with the culture and, and like something, and, and maybe not like so many others, but... Ultimately, you know, uh, I had a really great time in Venezuela. It's always good to hear uh, that uh, my people treated you good at that time. But I, I know it's a, it's a conversation we have often in terms of uh, your experience there. And uh, I can only imagine that it wasn't easy. Although a uh, blonde guy, blue-eyed, in you know, getting 15 to Venezuela, I know that the girls definitely <laughs> would be looking because you were totally different from what we were used to. Um, in any case, then you go to university in Venezuela. You graduate from electronics engineer. Your brother had gone already, mm -hmm. and uh, you had an incentive to go back because as you said Holland was your north so you did make it back yeah so um, you know I lived in Venezuela for eight years and uh, indeed I uh, even though I had planned to go back earlier um, like once I graduated high school uh, for several reasons uh, it's a long story but I decided to stay and, and finish university there and that was a definitely the the best experience uh, in Venezuela was going to the university there. And I started working after graduating uh, at Procter Gamble, my first real job. I had a great job there, but um, there was this calling, you know, like I, I want to go to, back to Holland and I hadn't been for eight years. So, you know, you leave as a 15 year old. Now you're 23 year old. You've, you've, you've become a man. Eh, 
a young man and from a boy to a young man and uh and yeah i wanted to go back to home just uh i was so curious like wow all these eight years i um you know holland was the thing on my mind that's you know that's who i am that's where i'm from that's me um and that's where my brother was and uh, that's where my family was so i took a leave of absence from procter and gamble uh, supposedly for six months but ended up staying i went back to holland and um, basically came back and yeah things were really nice there and uh, my brother was playing music as well he played bass and i played guitar and he was in some bands and by that time I was playing pretty well and so I got into in one band and another band and before I knew it I was playing around Holland and then across Europe um, and at some point um, I had to call Procter & Gamble and say guys um, I don't think I'll be coming back to Venezuela or to Procter & Gamble so thank you so much and uh, so I decided to to test uh, the music industry for for a while um, and uh, one of the things that definitely I've always been is curious and always looking to learn new things. And I decided, wow, you know, I want to learn about, more about music. I had learned to play guitar on my own, and uh, I had the opportunity to, to start a whole new study, um, a Bachelor of Arts in guitar, uh, in music for guitar, and I decided to do that. And so as I was playing and, and basically living off music, I, um, I was also studying um, music and bachelor's arts and music for guitar, improvised music. So, wow, uh, there you go from being an electronics engineer working in Procter & Gamble um, to being a, a musician trying to get by and uh, while, we, while I was studying also uh, music. So a big change there for sure, but uh, it was a great era. And uh, and uh, for any of you that's curious, Don has a musician uh, page on Facebook called Don Van, so make sure you check it out and like it. But to me, what's interesting of, of, of your story is that you kind of did what was expected of you. I'm sure you liked engineering back then, but for what you share here and in in our conversations, it was more, you know, it made sense. You went into engineering, you got it done, and then you had been... Um, let's say, playing around with music and had a passion for it. And then one day you decided that that was your interest at that time. And then you just give up a career in Procter & Gamble uh, and just pursue music. And uh, that to me, it's something already that showcased at a very young age that, uh, that, you know, you weren't afraid of losing something to gain something. And the music has ever since become a very important, being a very important part of, of who you are. But it's also true that in eight years, and then you'll, you'll share with us what happened, but you, you did it. And, and many times when people ask you like, why don't you do, why, why don't you have like a, a, a long career in music? And uh, what's your answer to that? Well, um, I think you know the the fact of change and and searching for new things and and learning new things is is a big driver in in what I do and what I like to do what keeps me motivated um, and I think in part due to those many changes during my early childhood and then later in my uh, you know my adult um, adolescence it kind of became a habit of having change it's like um, 
you know, um, in those eight years that I lived in Venezuela, I think I lived in seven different houses or maybe eight different houses. I went to five different schools, maybe more. I need to count again. But um, and with that in Holland, I've gone to so many schools. At some point, change becomes an ingredient uh, for life. So you indeed become not afraid of letting go of stuff and, and starting all over again with something new. And so when I did uh, and left the engineering career at Procter Gamble for music, um, yeah, this was this was really uh, fearless. I mean, it's just something that came totally natural and um, and it was driven in large part because music was a very important part of my life it it it, it wasn't planned I went to Holland really for a long vacation and to see my family and travel Europe but it came about and it felt right and I was like you know hey this is something I can do now um, do music is something that's very important to me and it's something that maybe later in my life, once I'm further ahead in, in maybe an electronics career, I won't be able to do so. Why not do it? Of course, I wasn't married. I didn't have any kids. Mm-hmm. That provides a lot of flexibility. But at the same time, also having the mental freedom to make those choices and basically leave a very well-paying job behind the Procter Gamble and, and go figure out how to live from music, uh, which is clearly not, a, not an easy thing to do. But you did it, and you did it for eight years, and then you decided what? Yeah, so I graduated uh, the, the Bachelor's in Arts for Music. Uh, I was playing uh, a lot of music at the time, playing around 150 times a year. But at some point, you also realize, like, okay, well, why did I, why, what, I do, what do I like about music? And what am I really doing? I'm living off music. And basically, what I found was that I was most of the time, 90% of the time, I was playing music, which was really not the music that I wanted to play, but just I had to kind of play to, to get by economically and you know live off. So, And it kind of, again, the ch- driver for change came again, like, yeah, this has been a long while doing the same thing, music, and yeah, wow, how something exciting um, you know, might be around the corner. And that's when the opportunity came to, to go to the U.S. Um, at the time, my parents were living in the U.S., which was very helpful. And initially I thought, well, I'm going to move to the U.S. and and try my musical career there. But very, very quickly I realized there were other things that I wanted to do and uh, that the right time had come to to go back to to other passions in my life, which were, you know, technology and and engineering and and put my electronics engineering degree to work. So I decided to to basically cut my long hair that I had at the time and uh, go and find a job, which I did find, and uh, that's how I came to the U.S. And uh, it was a very long hair. I have never had my hair as long as you did. <laughs> so, um, But you said something that to me is so powerful. You pursued your dream or one of your dreams, and you went for music, and after a while... You said you make the realization that even within that passion, within that dream, you had to do things you didn't like, basically. You had to play music that didn't excite you. And I believe that that's the source of unhappiness in so many people I talk to and myself. I mean, I always say 
that I get to do a lot of the stuff in my office that I don't like doing at all. And I get to do very little of the stuff I like doing. And it's always a struggle on how do we do more of what we enjoy so that we don't start, um, how would you say, rejecting even the very thing that we like doing. And you were very brave because you recognize that probably, yes, I like music, but if I want to keep liking it, I probably have to quit it, walk away from it until the point I can start enjoying it again because I can play what I want and I can do it on my own terms. And uh, what I believe is a lot of people don't pursue their dreams just for the fear of being disappointed by the dream. Once you achieve the dream, Once you become that musician, once you learn to play the guitar, which is obviously like the dream of half the men I know, <laughs> it's like, I wish I could play the guitar. And then they hear you playing and they everybody admires how you play. And they say, oh my God, it's so cool that Don plays like that. And that they idealize, I think, what, what that guitar playing is. It's not so much the playing the guitar, it's what it represents. It's the, I think, the rocker lifestyle and all that. Yet you had it. And you gave it up to go back to the U.S., cut your hair, and went back into engineering. Yes. Well, it's a famous... So that's very powerful. Yes. I mean, it's a famous saying. It's uh, the point of a journey is not to arrive. And so it's, sometimes it is more about the journey. And um, and sometimes you arrive at the point like, okay, now did, 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 is this journey over? And, and so you want to continue a journey. And... Um, For me, for sure, it's 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 that journey that really counts, and um, I hope to continue to have a long, long, very long journey. Well, that's uh, very exciting, and I I hope you do continue having a very, very long journey for me and for our kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you're in Miami now. You're with your parents, and you go back into let's call it corporate America in which you have done very well because now you're global VP of sales of a fantastic growing company so now you're a married man and uh, you have two kids what would you say are the key components of having a fulfilled life if you have if you feel you have one or how are you walking towards getting a fulfilled life so the journey you know being able to continue a journey now not only as an individual but as a husband and wife and then And then, of course, with two kids, you know, it's it is definitely a journey, and it's definitely full of change. And uh, it's exactly, you know, my, what I like is that you know it's all but the same. You know, as um, the family life is is all but stable, all but boring. It's not easy, um, but it's it's a path. It's a journey, right? And um, from having two little babies to hopefully having um, some great, happy, and healthy adults in uh, in some years. It's a journey on its own. So um, that is kind of the uh, the big motivation that, that keeps me going because obviously, you know, you know, once you have a family, there's, there's certain things you need to let go in order to be able to move on to certain next phases. And um, clearly, you know, I've not been afraid to let go of things before. And, um, you know, and that's what I did when, when we met and we got married and, and now we have kids, uh, the same thing, you know, you leave things, certain things, certain things, you let them go, um, because you're getting a new chapter of your journey. And so, 
this chapter happens to be a super fantastic one, uh, super inspiring one, one that has uh, surpassed all of my expectations about being a husband and father. So, um, you know, and then um, there will be a, another chapters uh, to come for sure. Well, I have to agree on that one for sure. <laughs> so that's, well, that's a handful and uh, the one thing I'd like to share with the audience here, and uh, most people don't believe this about us, and we've been joking around about doing a publicity because when we were both single and looking, we both had a, a very busy life. We were both traveling probably for work uh, 80 to 90% of our times. And, you know, meeting people was really hard. And anybody that knows me knows I'm, quite conservative person but you know what this little thing called match.com was out there and I say if you want something you have to pursue it and you know let's just try this thing and little did I know I was gonna find a Dutch man who lived in Venezuela who had so much in common with me that I couldn't even imagine and uh, and it ended up that I now have two kids with a guy I met online isn't that amazing <laughs> Quite, quite amazing indeed. And uh, we both joke around this and we share this story mostly because we want to inspire other people that that has met us. And, and every time we get that question of where did you meet? And we say online, people laugh and say, no, no, really, where did you meet? And then we say, really, that's where we met. And, and it's so amazing that after 14 years of that moment, people still um, don't believe it. And the purpose of this podcast, in a way, is to follow your gut feeling and to commit to what you want to happen in your life and to remember who you are and what you want. And uh, being, being in a family was something that we both wanted. And in the craziness of the lives we led, we found the time to just make it happen in the most unbelievable way. So having said that, so, Don, I mean, you've shared so many interesting things that the the last question I, I have for you, and it's how I end all my interviews, is if you can share with us, what do you believe is the essence of you or, let's say, what makes you tick, which is a very appropriate question for a musician? Well, um, I think the biggest driver for decisions that I've made in my life and the behaviors and for good or better, better or worse, I think ultimately they, they do come from a, from a place of curiosity, curiosity to learn more, um, to, to explore, to express. And, and I think all these things together are, some sort of need for change. The change that, you know, stability, or well, stability is not the word I'm looking for, but definitely status quo is, is not something that I, that I look for. Uh, I like change. I like things to evolve. I like, I like the unknown that the future holds. Um, and to explore that unknown is, is, is very exciting, and that's kind of what drives me every day to to go to work and 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 find out new things 
how to do things in a better way and how to work with people in, in better ways and add value to everything that I do. The same in the family, you know, how, how do we improve as parents? How do we help our kids become better people, better persons, and, and how do we help them with their challenges and, and all the things they need to do? So, yeah, I think what makes me tick, if I would have to summarize it, is, um, is mostly the curiosity of the unknown that drives and pushes myself forward in a quest of um, becoming a better person and, and, and a better father and a better husband. That's great. And, and, and just as a bonus thing, if you had one hour to be anywhere to find peace, where would it be? Well, it would be a place where I can disconnect and try to connect to that essence. And for me, the, the easiest way is, is to be somewhere in a place like a studio, music studio, with a great guitar, some recording gear, and just letting music path through the fingers into the recording studio and and create something yeah that's that's an experience that i uh i cherish and um it really helps me connect to to the essence of 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 the universe you know something it's a place where you just cannot get unless in my case unless you're totally disconnected totally relaxed and music is such a channel to get to that place Wow, that's, uh, that's really full circle for me for the purpose of this podcast. It wasn't rehearsed, but thank you. It served the purpose very well. I know that uh, I know that's a place for you because I know where you go, where you need to be you. And you're definitely a very different person when you're connected to that source. And um, yeah, that's the purpose for you listening out there. Just, you know, try to focus in what is that moves you, what is that that connects you to that source. And uh, it has been a fantastic uh, time with you, Don. I'm glad that I'll have hopefully many more like these conversations. Thank you, Letty. It's been a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you so much. And until the next time. <laughs>